you have your Bible and want to open to Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to look there today. You know, there is one thing that four and a half years in Bible college never taught me. I learned a lot about sermon preparation and counseling and church history and Bible studies and all that, but I didn't hardly learn anything about leadership. Nobody told me the words pastor and leader were synonymous. Nobody ever told me about specifically two aspects of leadership. First is the pressure, and the second is the price of leadership. There is indeed great pressure of leadership and a great price. See, if you're a leader, I can promise you, you're going to be blamed for things that you didn't do. You'll be criticized for things you've tried to do. You'll be misquoted. You'll be misunderstood. I assure you, this is true as a pastor. Peter Drucker was speaking to a group of senior ministers, and he made this statement. He said, other than president of the United States, the three most difficult jobs in America are president of a university, administrator of a hospital, and pastor of a church. Well, perhaps one of the most difficult jobs ever tackled in history was the one Nehemiah tackled as he was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I mean, believe it or not, we have been studying Nehemiah almost as long as it took him to rebuild the wall around the entire city. Two and a half miles circumference. He finished his project in 52 days, having started with no capital, no manpower, no help. And you ask the question, how? There's really only one answer. He kept his eye on the ball. See, up until now, in the first five chapters, we've seen opposition from all sides. And it's always directed to the laborers. But now here in chapter 6, it's directed at the leader. Because sooner or later, all opposition comes to the leader. Because everything rises and falls on the leadership. In football, the major goal of the defense is to attack the leader, right? To sack the quarterback. In war, enemy troops are often told, look for the commanding officer and shoot him. Well, in this chapter, we're going to see how every single attack was aimed at Nehemiah. And yet he kept his eye on the ball. You know, there are some sports like baseball and golf where nothing else matters if you do not keep your eye on the ball. The same is true in marriage. Right? The marriage, your marriage will fail if you don't keep your eye on the ball. Your business will never be what it could if you don't keep your eye on the ball. Our church will never achieve what we ought to achieve if we don't keep our eye on the ball. And that's difficult when you have opposition coming at you. And so there are some lessons we can learn from Nehemiah as he came under the most intense opposition of his life on how to get the job done, how to hold the marriage together, how to make that business succeed, how to reach your goals. And it starts here. When someone tries to sidetrack you, stay focused. Look at me, Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. See, up until now, the axes of evil, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they tried everything they knew to do to sabotage the work on the wall. 
They tried everything from derision to division to danger to deceit. And so now they're trying diplomacy. And they're simply asking Nehemiah, would, would you stop what you're doing for a minute? Just, just come over and, and talk. And you might wonder, well, what's the harm in just talking? Well, see, there was only one problem with Nehemiah stopping what he was doing and, and taking the time to talk. And the job was not yet finished. Even though the wall was built, the gates were not hung. There was still work to do. And so they were tempting Nehemiah to be sidetracked from what God had called him to do and, and to change his focus. I, I heard this statement that said, God wants you focused, the devil wants you finished. I'm convinced one of the biggest things that keeps a church from doing what it should be doing is talk. Proverbs 14.23, hard work pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. I mean, we've worked with people that would rather talk than work. You know, one of the greatest dangers to any organization is getting trapped in a maze of meetings. And I'm aware that some meetings are important and necessary. But many times we go to meetings and we talk about what we should be doing instead of just going out and doing what we should be doing. Notice, though, they, they put the full court press on to Nehemiah. Verse 4. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Right? They emailed me, they faxed me, they left messages on my voicemail. Man, I, I imagine Nehemiah's answering machine sounded something like this. You've reached the home of Nehemiah. I'm not here. I'm carrying on a great project right now. If this is Sanballat, Tobiah, or Geshem, you're wasting your time. If it's anyone else, leave a message after the beep. <laughs> You know, the reason that Nehemiah refused to stop what he was doing and shoot the breeze is found in verse 3. He said this, So I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Nehemiah was doing a great work. You know why building the wall was such a great work? Because that was the work that God called Nehemiah to do. See, if you're ever going to fulfill your purpose in this life, to be fulfilled in doing that purpose, you have to be convinced that what you are doing is a great work. Because it is God's work. Because all of God's work is great work. I mean, there are a lot of great works that never get done because the worker gets sidetracked, because he loses his focus. He forgets his priority. And it can be a little thing. Years ago, there was an Eastern Airline jumbo jet crashed into the Everglades in Florida. It's now the famous Flight 401, bound from New York to Miami, loaded with holiday passengers. As the plane approached the Miami airport for its landing, the light that indicates proper deployment of the landing gear failed to light up. So the plane flew in this looping circle over the swamps of the Everglades while the cockpit crew checked to see if the gear had actually not deployed or if the bulb in the signal light was defective. So when the flight engineer tried to remove the light bulb, it wouldn't budge, and other members of the crew came over to help him. And as they struggled with the bulb, no one noticed the aircraft losing altitude, and the plane simply crashed into the swamp. 
Dozens of people were killed. And while an experienced crew of pilots fiddled with the 75-cent light bulb, a passenger jet flew right into the ground. See, the biggest temptation you'll face as you try to keep your eye on the ball is choosing what is urgent over what is important. Choosing what is good over what is best. Choosing short-term over long-term. There were two golfing buddies. They were playing this water hole, and one of them hit his shot right into the pond. And they were puttering around the pond trying to find his ball, and one of them ran across the talking frog. And the frog looked at him and he said, If you kiss me, I will turn into a beautiful princess. Well, the partner heard what the frog said to his buddy, and he was shocked when his buddy reached down, picked up the frog, and just stuck him in his pocket. And he looked at his friend and he said, Why didn't you kiss her? And the old man said, You know, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> See, he had his priorities straight. If you decide what your priorities are, your priorities help decide everything else. And they will help you keep your eye on the ball. Second, when someone tries to slander you, stay faithful. Verse 5. Then, the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. See, his enemies couldn't sidetrack Nehemiah, so they tried something different. They tried slander. Now normally, back then, letters were rolled up on a papyrus or leather, and they were tied with a string, and then secured with this sealed wax uh, or clay, so that only the proper authority could then open it and read it. But these guys were good. They, they wrote an open letter, something like a, a letter to the editor or a petition. It would be like putting it just all over the internet. See, they wanted everyone to read it, especially the king who had given Nehemiah permission to build the wall. Because you see, if rumor got out that he was trying to be king, it could cost Nehemiah not only the wall, it could cost him his life. Now this was pure, unadulterated gossip. But they wanted it in print. They, they knew what they were doing, right? Because gossip in print is doubly difficult to correct. Uh, years ago, a, a Dear Abby column mentioned a man named R.D. Jones. And the column had to do with this typographical error in the classified section of a small town newspaper and all of the subsequent disastrous attempts to correct it. Here's what happened. Monday's ad. For sale, R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Phone after 7 p.m. Ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him. Cheap. Tuesday. Notice, we regret having aired an R.G. Jones ad yesterday. It should have read, one sewing machine sale, cheap, phone, and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. Wednesday. Notice, R.D. Jones has informed us that he has received several annoying telephone calls because of the error we made in the classified ad. His ad stands corrected as follows. For sale. 
R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Cheap. Phone after 7 p.m. Ask for Mrs. Kelly, who loves with him. Thursday. Notice. I, R.D. Jones, have no sewing machine for sale. I smashed it. Do not call, as the telephone has been disconnected. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Kelly until yesterday she was my housekeeper, but she quit. <laughs> See, this is somewhat to, akin to what these guys were doing to Nehemiah. I mean, today we call it negative campaigning or, or dirty tricks or political hardball. They were getting down and dirty, pulling out all the stops, trying to destroy Nehemiah, his integrity, his work. It was nothing but slander. Did you know the word Satan literally means slanderer? Whenever you slander someone, you're doing the devil's work. But let me show you something interesting about what they said. They were criticizing in Nehemiah the very thing they were guilty of themselves. They were criticizing him for being power hungry, yet it wasn't Nehemiah that was power hungry. They were. They were the ones that felt threatened. They were the ones that wanted to be in control. And you know, if you watch carefully, you'll notice very often people will criticize in others the very traits that they have in themselves. There was a husband who suspected his wife was losing her hearing. So one night he positioned himself across the room from her and as she sat in her favorite chair with her back to him, he said very softly, can you hear me? Well, she didn't answer, so he moved a bit closer and repeated softly, can you hear me? Still no answer. So he moved closer and he said, can you hear me? <laughs> Still no answer. So finally he got right behind her chair and said right near here, can you hear me? Whereupon she looked him in the eye and said, for the fourth time, yes. See, simply notice, there was never a source given for these accusations. The letter simply said, it is reported among the nations. Can I encourage you to put your guard up if someone comes to you and says something like, I heard, or someone said, or, or the word on the street is, N never receive criticism from someone that's bringing it on behalf of someone else, someone they won't even name. But not even slander could keep Nehemiah from stopping the work he was doing. I, I love his response. Uh, verse 8. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. An essential what Nehemiah was saying is, go fly a kite. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do or don't like. I'm going to keep building the wall until the job is done. It reminded me of a, a woman that came up to Winston Churchill one time. Her name was Lady Astor. She was a constant thorn in his side, always critical. And they got into a heated conversation one time, and she said, Winston, I don't like your politics. And I don't like your mustache. And he looked at her and he said, Madam, I say no earthly reason why you should ever come in contact with either one. <laughs> See, Nehemiah knew what they were doing. And he knew, more importantly, that they could hurt him. So he says this in verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hand will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. 
But I prayed, now strengthen my hand. See, he did the one thing you can always do with any critic, with any criticism. Take it to God. Dwight L. Moody once said, if I take care of my character, God will take care of my reputation. So you see, when someone tries to slander you, stay faithful. And when someone tries to seduce you, stay firm. So one more person enters this scene, tries to take Nehemiah off the wall, tries to take him away from the work. His name is Shemaiah. Verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. See, Shemaiah was a priest and he was once a friend of Nehemiah who had been bought off. And what he was trying to do was get Nehemiah to compromise his integrity. He wanted to make him look like a coward because if Nehemiah cut and ran, he would lose all credibility before his people. So here's what Nehemiah says. Verse 11. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Nehemiah was so devoted to doing what God called him to do that even if indeed it cost him his life, he was not coming off the wall until the work was complete. And then we see here at the end of the chapter, the work is complete. Verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of of our God. Through all the hard work, through all the distractions, Nehemiah persevered. And he completed the task that God called him to do. And I got to tell you, the greatest statement there to me was, when all our enemies heard about this, and all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost confidence because, because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. When we put our trust in God, when we put our faith in God, when we rely on Him for everything, when we stand firm in His Word and on His plan, that is when we realize that nothing can defeat us because our work is done with the help of our God. So what about you? Have you seen that in your own life? Have you seen God do some amazing things when you stand with him? Or maybe this morning you need to take your stand with him. Surrender your life to him. If that's what you need, I invite you to come. Come by the church and talk to me. Text me, call me, visit with me. Let's talk. Talk about how you can stand with God. By kneeling and surrender to him. Let's pray. Father God, we know that there is so much in this world that tries to distract us from you. There are so many times this world has tried to slander us, to tempt us into following it 
instead of following you. And so, Lord, I pray you help us. Give us the strength to stand firm. Give us the courage to do what is right. And give us the wisdom to know what is best. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen.